Hey there, everybody. Jen Rogers, Blended Family Coach. Welcome to episode number three of Blended on the Bluff. So excited to talk to you today about empowerment and yeses and nos. I'm curious, have you ever said no and meant yes? Or conversely, have you ever said yes and meant no? (laughs) I think if you're human, the answer to those questions are yes and yes. Yes, I've said no when I've meant yes. There's a reason that I did that and the same is true for the reverse. I've said yes because I want to please you. I want to make you happy or I want to avoid some other consequence, but I really meant no. So how do we get from the not so really true yeses and the not exactly correct no's to an empowered yes and an empowered no? Well, it all comes from setting limits. And setting limits really is a reflection of self-control, really taking responsibility for yourself. Another word for that description is boundaries. Boundaries are critically important in relationships. And we oftentimes accept boundaries outside of relationship and in the physical realm more easily than in relationship. So for example, uh, if you obey traffic signals, you may more readily respond to the boundaries of a red light than you do to the boundary set by your spouse that says, hey, I'm in a place where I need to extract myself from the situation. True? Is that true? Have you experienced that? I know I have, and I've been on both sides of that coin. If you've done any studying at all about professional development, growing yourself, learning how to be a quote unquote better person, whether or not you're in a blended family, you will hear this question. Who can you change? How many of you have heard that question? I know I have heard that. I get taught this lesson over and over and over again. Who can you change? And we all know the answer, right? It's, it's you, just you. You can only change you. Now, I didn't ask you, who do you want to change or who do you wish would change for you? <laughs> I asked you, who do you really have the power to change? Not the power to influence. That's different than change. You can only change yourself. Yet, what do our actions reveal about what we actually believe? I dare say that we actually believe that we can change some other people and we want to do that sometimes in positive ways and other times in not so positive, more manipulative or passive aggressive ways. But realistically, we only have the power to change us and respond or react to what's going on around us with the people with whom we're in relationship. Now, if you're in a blended family, you know you get to play a lot of different roles, whether you're the biological parent or the step-parent. In your blended family, you are wearing a lot of different hats and you have an opportunity to practice empowered yeses and empowered noes every single day. You have boundaries every single day. My question for you is, have you talked about these with your family? 
This really builds on episode number two, where we ended talking about vision and having a vision for our blended families as part of our survival strategy. And in this vision, the vision is really um, an opportunity to brainstorm with your spouse, prayerfully, aligned with God's will, where do we go from here? How do we fit all of these beautifully blended individuals together to make us a beautifully blended family? That's a lifelong journey for sure. And in case you're thinking that it happens quickly, let me say that again. It's really a lifelong journey for you to blend your families together. The great thing is, is that you get practice and therefore you get more opportunities to improve every single day. And if you are willing to take the time to cast that vision for your family, to share it, to pray over it, and to align boundaries with the vision, you will have an opportunity to say an empowered yes and an empowered no much more frequently than what you may be experiencing right now. Perhaps some of you have read some of the Boundaries books by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. The first time I read their initial book of Boundaries, I was blown away at how often we use biblical scripture to support our position so that we can get what we want instead of using biblical scripture to support a boundary that's important that we set to protect ourselves aligned with who we are and who God calls us to be and following his guidelines, his commandments. So how do we do that? Well, Again, it goes back to practice. Let's let's go back and let's define boundaries. What do we know about boundaries? Well, we know a few things. We know that it's actually a delayed gratification. Boundaries can be a delayed gratification. Boundaries can protect us from overindulgence. Now, that's just not eating or drinking. That can be anger. Boundaries give us a confident awareness and alignment with a pre-decision that we already have decided that when X happens, this is my position. This is what I'm going to do in response. And there's a confidence that comes with that in knowing what to do. And then finally, boundaries are really proactively choosing something. So again, this emphasis today that I'm talking about an empowered yes or an empowered no also relates to being able to understand that we have a responsibility both to ourselves and to the people in our blend to learn and practice what these boundaries are. So we can structure them again around God's God's word and his truth. Now, boundaries are also active. They're not passive. So you don't just hang around and expect boundaries to take care of themselves. That's not how it works. 
And again, I'm going to go back to the stoplight issue and stoplight example and say that when you're driving and the light is red, you decide whether or not you're going to put your foot on the brake. And when the light turns green, you decide when you're going to put your foot on the accelerator so that you can go. It's the same thing in relationship that you have an active role in adhering to these boundaries. And again, when you're in a situation, when you're evaluating a decision, you as husband and wife in your blend to say, hey, we're considering doing this thing. You go back to your vision and you can ask yourself the question, does this align with my vision? Does this align with the direction that we have decided that our family is going? And if you can answer either way, yes or no, both of those are empowered because you already have a direction that you're heading and you know that yes, this does align with this decision that we've already made. Here's an interesting point about casting your vision. A lot of times we want to have the answers. We want to know how are things going to get done? When are they going to be done? Who's going to do them? And while you can do some of that when you're crafting a plan, really in a vision, it is more, it's global. It's more global than that. It's a bigger thing than that. It is a guiding force, if you will, to say that yes, this is what we've decided. And then as you evaluate little smaller chunks or smaller decisions and you're deciding if it is aligned with your vision, that's when you get to figure out the how. That's when you get to take certain courses of action. So again, boundaries are not passive. They are active. Boundaries require effective communication. And here's the interesting thing about blended families. So if you took a moment to think about it, I'm sure it would make perfect sense. But the thing is, is we don't always take a moment to think about it. In fact, we don't plan for it before we get married. We just make a lot of assumptions. But while we know real communication is essential, there's this thing in second marriages when you are blending together with kids. You're missing a lot of the historical context. You don't have experiences together as husband and wife and kids together. You have your experiences with your family or just you if you're coming into the marriage and you don't have children and the person you're marrying has their experiences with whomever is making up their family. And then you put all of these things together. So it's instant family. And for those of you who are uh, familiar with the Brady Bunch, it is not at all like the Brady Bunch. Here's a story of a man named Brady. I'm trying to think of the lyrics and how it goes. And plus, I I talk for a reason. Singing is not one of my gifts. Speaking is definitely my gift instead of singing. But I can hear that tune play in my head. And it actually isn't the way that it was portrayed in the Brady Bunch, that's for sure. There's a lot of miscommunication with these instant families because 
you really, you learn communication on the job. And while we talk about communication and say that while there's a lot of verbal communication, we know that there's lots of nonverbals too. So when you're getting to know people, you have a lot of information to learn about them. So while we can say we have certain boundaries and communication is important, we have to understand in the context of blended families, whew, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And it again, it just goes back to the point that I made earlier that there's an extensive amount of time required to be invested in really choosing to learn about each member in our family. Boundaries require effective communication. And in this chaos of blending and custody schedules and transitions, you don't know what the norms are because you're just coming together. So transitions and your family norms, they're complicated because you have these shifts. And so if you can envision something that I mentioned when I was first introducing on the first podcast about some of the characteristics of blending, if you're transitioning houses every other week or every few days, there's a little bit of a hiccup there to readjust to your environment. So as you're communicating your boundaries, you, you really help, you're really helping identify who has responsibility for what. And what I mean by that is when the person that you're in relationship with, whether it's your spouse or your kiddos, biological or step, they're making a decision to behave in a certain way. And you, in responding to their behavior, are also making a decision. And that's where boundaries come in. So when you blend together and you're really unifying as you learn how you all function well, things like nonverbal communication is very important. For example, when you are talking with one of your kids, are you having eye contact with them? Is there direct communication where you are each respecting the other one? by having this eye contact? Or are you talking to each other as you're walking away from one another? Because the nature of that communication is going to be different than if you're both attentive to one to another. So here's an example of a very simple boundary. I know I'm guilty of this. I ask a question, I'm on my way to the laundry room or I'm on my way to the kitchen or I'm on my way outside, whatever it is. I ask a question as I'm walking and I keep walking and I realize, whoa, I'm actually not giving the person the opportunity to respond. I'm wanting them to respond on my timetable of moving across the room versus taking the time to look at them and actually ask the question and wait and receive the answer. So a boundary that person could set is to say, hey, I'm happy to have a conversation with you when you're ready, but I'm not going to talk to you as you're walking away from me. I think that's fair. And I think that that is effective communication that demonstrates a desire to actually connect with one another while saying that this connection is important enough that what we're going to do is come together and respect one another through being together and having this conversation. So boundaries are really an expression of what's important, right? (laughs) You're identifying something that is important to you. And again, in the context of the blend and learning from one another, this is something that is just going to take time. 
recently I was listening to a talk by David Bayer. He's an author of Mind Hack. And so he's uh, definitely talks about the transformational power of renewing your mind. And as I think about that, as Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 12, the very first thing that's in there is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's so easy to focus on this. Yes, I'm going through an amazing transformation and leave off the part of the requirement in order to receive the transformation. Oftentimes, I think when I have conversations with Christians that they think that they're responsible for this transformation, that I'm choosing this transformation. And in some sense, I suppose you could say that you are. I'm choosing Jesus, therefore I am choosing to be transformed by him. However, the first step is to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And if you are in a blended family, if you are in relationship with anyone, anywhere, (laughs) blended or not, you know that there are sacrifices that are required in that relationship. And so we can take that and say, okay, we are going to offer ourselves up to align ourselves with godly principles and really, again, going back to the boundaries aspect, aligning our boundaries with the commands of the Lord. So David Bear, as he talks about this transformation, He talks about the power of belief and our beliefs become our thoughts, which become our feelings, which become our actions, which become our results, which reinforce our beliefs. So it's this circular aspect, if you will. It's almost the, hey, what comes first, the chicken or the egg after a while, right? But beliefs, thoughts, feelings, actions, and results. And so the thing about the boundary aspect is, is that you can interrupt that cycle when you have a thought and a feeling is elicited, you can, you can have that notice to yourself, wait a minute, I know when I'm feeling this way, this action is what's likely next to happen. And because I have the power of Jesus in me, because I'm choosing this awareness, because I'm offering myself as a living sacrifice to glorify God, I have an opportunity here to ensure that I value this member in my blended family. And so it doesn't have to be on autopilot that the feelings drive the action. That's typically what happens when we're not aware and not practicing capturing things and ensuring that we have pre-decisions made for those feelings that elicit a torrent of uh, emotional reactions versus responding. Does that make sense? I I, I have to think about that for a while, but I think that makes sense, right? That we, we can put a stop sign up and say, whoa, feelings, I actually, I have met you before. And I have experienced what can happen next when I feel this way and I lose my cool. I know then, gosh, there are things that happen next. They're not necessarily good. You lose your cool. You yell at somebody in your family. And then you have additional repair work to do. And so instead of moving forward through effective communication and using the boundaries that you've set, you're actually a few steps behind 
and repentance and forgiveness are required. So it's going to take a little bit longer. And in an environment where you are working to build foundational trust because you're blending your family together without this historical experience of learning, it makes it even more challenging when there is this disruption to trust as you're trying to grow it and develop it in your families. All right, I have two final points regarding boundaries. As I've thought about this and done research on this and looking at my notes, I'm reminded of a couple things. That our boundaries actually reveal the values that we have. And our boundaries reinforce our values. So do we value listening? Do we value accountability to each family member? Do we value cooperation? Do we value worship? Do we read the Bible together? Do we study God's word? It's so important. I mean, the best way to soften my heart, I know, is to be in the presence of the Lord because I simply cannot do it on my own. So in addition to the boundaries having delayed gratification, protection from overindulgent, giving us the confident awareness and alignment with predecisions, our expressing what's important, our proactive choosing. I think the biggest thing is that our boundaries reveal and reinforce our values. So I want to encourage you, if you have yet to take that opportunity to carve time with your spouse to determine what you value in your family, what your vision is for your family, and how you can move forward in that vision, boundaries are an aspect of that. So I want to encourage you to start the conversation with your spouse and just ask the question, hey, have you thought about where we're going to be in 10 years? Have you thought about, well, our kids are eight now and they're going to be 18, or our kids are three and they're going to be 13? And what's that look like? And who do we want them to become? And in that, who do we want to help them become aligned with God's word, aligned with the responsibility of stewardship to train our children in the way that they should go? Do you think we ought to have some boundaries? And if so, what do you think those boundaries should be? I'm curious to hear about how these conversations go. So please let me know. Post in the comments, send me an email. I, I want to know how these boundary conversations are going. And I want you to know that you don't need to do this alone, that there are many methods to boundary setting, that there are many places you can go. And I am one of many places. So if you're interested in working together, we can coach through establishing and crafting your vision for your blended family. So you can move from the chaotic newness of blending to being beautifully blended with a vision of the direction that your family is headed, aligned with God's word. It's my pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining me for Blended on the Bluff. I look forward to the next episode. Until then, have an amazing day.